Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It ain't the left side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter, and Paul is fanatic underscore pick. We have officially reached the dead part of the offseason. We don't have the free agency to talk about. We don't have the NFL draft. We're just kind of in limbo here in May. Heck, we don't even have rookie mini camps that we can talk about. But we did want to put together a show here for you, taking a look at the Dolphins' 55-man roster. And I say 55 because there are a few changes this year, uh, according to the CBA, that allows the Dolphins to have 55 men on the roster uh, on game day or leading up to game day, that they have to then revert back to 53 the day after the game. We'll We'll get into the specifics of that here in a bit but Paul before we even get into that a little bit of news here running back Delance Turner was cut this past weekend and not a big surprise there but two names that have been floated around and tied to the Dolphins that the Dolphins really can't afford because they've got over 23 million dollars left in cap room cornerback Logan Ryan who very shockingly has not been signed yet as a free agent after having a really good year with the Titans and recently cut right guard from the Saints, Larry Warford, who's made who made the Pro Bowl in 2016, 2017, and 2018. So, Paul, when you look at the nickelback role for the Dolphins and you look at the right guard spot, these are two players that the Dolphins can afford and can start right away for them if the Dolphins want to go down that path. Would you want to sign one of them, both of them, or kind of leave it to the younger players in a year like this? Logan Ryan's a, a definitive no for me. It, that that's an easy one for me. It's we've got a glut in the secondary. I know with with the theme of the show and our fifty three man roster projections, I had to make some tough cuts as it was in the secondary. And I just I don't see Logan Ryan being better than Byron Jones. I don't see him being better than Xavier Howard. I, I don't see him, you know taken away a meaningful amount of snaps from Needham and Inkbenogany 
it's he he's a more expensive version of a guy that's going to be right there in the mix to maybe play maybe not and i'm kind of all set there as far as warford goes i mean you know from when eric flowers was in the draft i i like the idea of eric flowers at guard uh and that that pretty much cements the left guard spot uh the offensive line had some tough cuts for once in ages and I, I'm torn because he is a Pro Bowl caliber right guard. I, I, I definitely consider the idea, but I also do like Solomon Kinley. But I, I'd be willing to sign Warford. I think he'd make sense for this team. I would be interested in signing Warford over Logan Ryan. I, I probably have a little more interest in Ryan than you do. Yeah, Warford. The only reason he's being cut right now is because they they found Caesar Ruiz falling to them at number 24. And there's actually, there was a story that came out this, this past week uh, that Jeff Ireland uh, took, uh, really wanted the Dolphins to take Cesar Ruiz at 24 because he felt like the Dolphins or the Chiefs were going to take him there in, in the first round. But that allowed Larry, uh, Larry Warford to get cut. This is a player that, believe it or not, you know, I, I had it in my mind that he was 30, 31, 32. He's only 28 years old. He's actually 89 days older than Jesse Davis. Um, and if the Dolphins were to sign Larry Warford, I'm not saying they will. I don't expect them to. But if they were to go down that road, I would want it to be a two or three year deal. It wouldn't make sense in a year like this where two is not expected to play uh, all that much, which we'll get into in a bit that you sign Larry Warford for a one-year contract. I wouldn't really see the point of that. But maybe if the Dolphins can sign him to, say, a two- or three-year deal where you basically pretty much guarantee the money in his first year but then have an out to just cut him and maybe lose another million or $2 million, that would make a lot of sense because in that scenario, maybe Tua can can play with a Larry Warford at right guard, and now you've got a better blind side for him as a left-hand quarterback. Yeah, and it's. I actually think um, that signing Warford would probably be a death knell for Jesse Davis, even though I think Jesse Davis is a better right guard than, say, Shaq Calhoun. Jesse Davis is the more expensive option right now. And while I like the fact that Jesse has a little more of a chance to kick out the tackle, um, as far as cap frugality for your back for your backups i think they keep solomon kinley and shaq calhoun over jesse davis if jesse davis is truly going to be a backup and they sign warford i think it'd be a death nail for davis as a starter um this year in 2020 because he signed the contract extension last year they really can't get out of that contract right now but they might be able to trade him too i I don't know if there'd be much of a market for him but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would expect him if in that scenario to, to possibly be out after the year. Um, but yeah, that right side of the line, you know, maybe Jesse Davis competes with Robert Hunt at the right tackle position and the best man wins right there at that spot. And we've, we've also seen Jesse Davis play left tackle, left guard, and it's, it's important that the Dolphins are able to roster five good offensive linemen last year because we know they weren't able to do that last year in, in the starting role. Uh, Logan, as far as Logan Ryan's concerned, typically I, I I would agree with you on that as well. And and you know, one reason that he would somewhat interest me is that Noah Igbenogany is until November, 
Nick Needham is more of a boundary cornerback, not much of a slot guy too. And Logan Ryan might be able to allow you to, to bring players like Noah Igbenogany and Nick Needham and Brandon Jones along a little bit more slowly. And uh, F words pod podcast, uh, who is our, our Titans correspondent uh, talked about him as a great leader, a really good blitzer, just can't cover younger, faster guys in the slot. But in the AFC East here, um, the four wide receivers that lined up in the slot most often, which were Mohamed Sanu, Julian Edelman, Cole Beasley, um, and Jamison Crowder. These aren't players that run faster than a four, six, five. So the speed's not really an issue for him either. But, uh, you know, if Igbenogany is ready to play, then Logan Ryan would, would certainly be a roadblock ahead of him. And that's where it probably wouldn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and, for for me, if Igbenogany's not ready, we still have Bobby McCain. We still have Eric Rowe. The safety slot when when we're doing these fifty three man, and I know we're going to talk about shortly, the safety slot actually wound up a little thicker for me because of the fact that there are several safeties that can kick out the corner without skipping a beat, can kick to a nickel corner without skipping a beat. And while I like the fact that for the divisional games, Logan Ryan can start we're still playing a lot of teams this year that have a lot faster, younger slot receivers. And given that fact, it's, it's, I, you know, I, I just, he doesn't make sense long-term like a Warford does. And if you don't make sense long-term, you're not really assigning for me at this point in time. Yeah, I can understand that. I, I would say that the most frustrating thing for me would be if, Nick Igbenogany's not ready. We have a defensive back go down, and now you spent all of this money at cornerback and at safety, and you've got the Jerry Wilson 2000 problem where you've got Pro Bowlers at, at, at like at every position, uh, or you got you've got you know two or three Pro, pro Bowlers at defensive back, but on the other side you can't when they get into the nickel and dime packages, you get picked apart pretty easily. So anyway, we'll, we'll see if any of those come to fruition here. I would certainly prefer Warford over Logan Ryan myself. So Paul segueing here to the 55 man roster and to go over a couple of rules here um, with the new CBA this, that was drawn up this year. Uh, a couple of bullet points without getting too far into the weeds. The game day roster is going to go from 46 players to 48 players. The game day roster is going to stay um, on paper overall at 53, but before game day or on game day, I'm not sure which one it is. You can go from 50, a 53 man roster to a 55 man roster. I don't really understand the point of that personally, because I mean, why don't you just go with 55 players, 14 players on the practice practice squad. And you don't have to worry about that. Uh, So, but, we will have 55 players on the Dolphins active roster uh, a day or the day of the week one matchup for the Dolphins. So that's how we're going to judge this team uh, position by position. So let's get at it here. First of all, Paul, starting at the quarterback position, we all know that, you know, we're, we're anticipating to possibly having a red shirt type of, of year, for the Dolphins, at least at first. And to do that, the Dolphins can put him on the PUP list and, and have him off the active roster for the first seven weeks of the season. When you looked at the quarterback spot, did you go ahead and do that and, and stay with two quarterbacks? Or did you have Tua as, as the third quarterback on this active roster in week one? 
I thought about going with the PUP list, but in all honesty, I feel like if Tua is as supposedly healthy as we think, or he's advertised, or whatever the promos were leading up to the draft have shown, I think Flores is going to want to get at least a minuscule look in the preseason at him. And because of the fact that they want to get the minuscule look in the preseason, I don't think they PUP him after the fact unless he's showing signs of issue with his hip in any way, shape, or form during the preseason. So I went with three quarterbacks. I went with Fitz. I went with Rosen. And I went with Tua. Now, the interesting scenario for me as far as Tua goes is if in the preseason he shows no sign of health issue and if he knocks it out of the park and Josh Rosen takes a few of the steps that we keep hearing he supposedly took in practice but we never got a chance to see last year, I could potentially see the scenario because this team is playing for the long term because of the fact that that Rosen's contract is ridiculously palatable at this point in time, there's an outside chance that I could see a scenario where they keep Tua with Rosen as the backup um, and and walk away from Fitzpatrick. But as far as it stands right now for our projections, I've got Fitz, Tua, and Rosen on the roster beginning week one. Yeah, I'm going to put two on there, too. I'm going to take an optimistic look on that as well. Um, yeah, and, and that could be a fascinating scenario with Rosen, whether or not he or, or Tua is going to be the backup. I mean, I, I tend to think Tua is either going to be the starter from the outset or he's going to be the third guy, not not the backup specifically. Because if he's good enough to be the backup, you you might just want to start him. But I, I could be wrong on that, but that's that's a feeling. That's He is the number five overall pick in the draft. Right now, as it stands, you know, the Dolphins have an extra first, second, and two-sixths next year. Right now, I would say, because Josh Rosen went from a top-ten pick to being traded for a late second rounder, I don't think his his trade capital is is very high right now. Maybe a a day-three pick, a fourth or fifth rounder at best right now. But if Josh Rosen finds himself in a scenario where he's in there in the third, fourth game – and plays really well in Jan Gailey's offense, um, you might be able to pick up the fifth-year option on him and then trade him to somebody else where they can have him as a 24-year-old quarterback for the next two years on a rookie contract. Absolutely. it's he. Honestly, if he ends up being the backup in Miami, um, look, Fitzpatrick is old and fat. I love the guy. I, I think he's a great leader. He's infectious. He's been per- perfect here. He's a good fit for Chan Gailey, as we all know. All the things we've talked about, everybody's talked about, et cetera. But Fitzpatrick is not a long-term viable option here as a quarterback. He just isn't. And anybody that, that tells you otherwise, he's not going to be one of those guys that's 43 years old and, and suppose, you know making waves around the NFL for where he signs. You know, it's just he's not. Yeah, it's going to be and, a year by year thing with uh with yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, and, and go ahead, I'm sorry, any Paul, year I cut you off there. No, that's that's fine. And, and it will, to your point, any year could be the year he hangs it up, but I will tell you I would have no issue if they decide to roll with Tua and Rosen if they brought Fitzpatrick back in as somewhat of a coaching role 
because um, you know he, he's got a good rapport with Rosen, from what I understand. I think he'd be great at taking two under his wing, and I think he could seamlessly transition to that. And then, hey, you know, if something happens, you, you could do the weird thing and sign one of your coaches to come in for a few games. Yeah, I mean, if, if I, that, I mean, it, the thing is with Fitzpatrick that that's good about about where he is is that he is okay with being the backup. If if he if Tua starts week one, we don't have to worry about Fitzpatrick uh, uh, sitting behind him bitching or or not being uh, productive in in that quarterback room with, with the two younger quarterbacks. He relishes that role, and when he's playing at a, at a high level, he enjoys that too. I mean, you look at last year when when he was put in Fitzpatrick in the final twelve games. This was the best quarterback in the AFC East. I mean, he he, he completed over sixty three percent of his passes. 19 passing touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns, only nine interceptions, and uh, the team was much, much better. So uh, it, it, he's the perfect guy for a Tua to come in and try to beat out. So that's a long way of us saying that we both have, both have three quarterbacks making the roster to start out here with Fitzpatrick, Rosen, and Tua. Moving along to the running back spot, Paul, I'll throw it to you first. We've got six running backs in camp. Usually we have a lot more. So we've got uh, Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, who were acquired here this offseason. Uh, we have holdover second-year players, Patrick Laird and Miles Gaskin. Kalen Balaj, who had a terrible, ter- I mean, an understatement of the century, a terrible uh, second year uh, as a pro, but is still on the roster. And fullback Chandler Cox. So uh, how did this running back group shake out for you? I kept four. And one of which you didn't actually list, but he's kind of a switchblade and I kept him as a running back because I think he'd be fantastic uh, potentially sliding in that third down running back role. For locks, I kept Brandon and Howard and that was it. As far as my probables, I went ahead with Laird who showed a lot of talent coming out of the backfield last season in the receiving game, you name it, which I think would be a great fit in the Chan Gailey offense, especially coming in occasionally on third down. And then I actually took Malcolm Perry and and enlisted him as a running back, which this coaching staff doesn't put as much stock into the running back position as, or or positional names as a lot of folks do. Like, oh, this is a traditional this, and you put him here. Uh, We've seen it with the defense. We've seen it a little bit with the offense. And I cut Gaskin, who any of our listeners know I like, as well as I cut Chandler Cox. And the reason for cutting Chandler Cox is, and this will give you a little bit of a sneak preview, there are two guys on the roster that have some fullback style experience and I think can, can serve in different roles in that fullback bit. Christian Wilkins, who I talked about in that role last year, he came in and probably took, you know, as many snaps it felt like is are more meaningful snaps than Chandler Cox did on fewer snaps. And then you've got a Landon Roberts who we all saw as Dolphins fans can do some things out of the backfield from that fullback role. So yeah, it's Chandler Cox was a nice experiment. I don't think they're, they're fully tied to him. And I think you'll see a situation with those two and possibly one of the tight ends occasionally slipping into the backfield in that fullback role. 
Yeah, I, I I agree with you there with Chandler Cox because you've got two players that, you know, I, I don't see uh, in Chan Gailey's offense, he doesn't like to use fullback. So we're not going to see a lot of fullback looks, but when we get to third and fourth and one or third and fourth and inches, yeah, you've got two guys on the active game day roster and Wilkins and uh, more so Landon Roberts who would be able to play fullback. And so that game day versatility allows you to save a roster spot. Yeah, I, I had the Dolphins keeping three running backs. Uh, I had him keeping Brita, Howard, and Patrick Laird as the third uh, down back. Gaskin was one of my final guys cut, and Kalen Balaj gets the axe, and Chandler Cox, the fullback, does too. So, you know, they'd be cutting in Gaskin, Balaj, and, and Cox. They'd be cutting, uh, you know, three players that were drafted by them in the last three years. But it shows that, again, they're upgrading the team by having a Brita and a Howard here on the roster. So wide receiver is going to be one of the more interesting ones in uh, um, in camp here because you've got you're going to have what you would think are three locks Devontae Parker Preston Williams you know assuming that he comes back from injury he wouldn't be cut anyway he would be put on injured reserve if, if anything but Parker uh, Preston Williams and Albert Wilson after taking the pay cut where he's basically guaranteed to make the team then you it gets interesting uh, Jakeem Grant I've got as the fourth guy, and I, I think he's as close to a lock as you can get because he's the kick returner and punt returner, and when healthy, is one of the best in the league, but he's missed 12 games over the last two years as well. So if he gets hurt in camp, I could see Brian Flores saying, you know what, enough is enough here. We can't keep this guy healthy at five at five foot six. Um, but I do have Grant making the team, and I, I hope that he is that kick returner and punt returner. My fifth guy and the sixth guy, I've – Probably the biggest surprise is here on this roster. I've got Mac Hollins as the fifth guy making the team over Isaiah Ford because he brings a lot more size and a lot more special teams ability. I was very surprised that the Eagles did cut him and he could be your gunner on special teams uh, instead of Walt Aikens being that guy. And then number six, I've got one of my two undrafted free agents and that's Matt Cole from McKendry making the team. And and doing that, uh, a couple of bigger names uh, here on the chopping block that I don't have making it. Alan Hearns, Isaiah Ford, Malcolm Perry all get cut. Uh, I also have to round out the rest, Ricardo Lewis, Gary Jennings, as well as undrafted rookie Kirk Merritt getting the act. So, Paul, overall, uh, I went with six wide receivers. Uh, how did your room shake out there at the wide receiver position? Well, I shook out with six as well, um, and and we're pretty close here on what we have. Obviously, the locks, same as you, given the pay cut, Parker, Williams, and Wilson. I could see a scenario where Preston Williams ends up starting the year on PUP, like like you talked about, in which case I, I did designate a practice squad player here just because I think Miami is going to try to keep the, this guy around. But after that, I've got Grant listed with one of the only three-category positions that I've got. I've got lock, likely, and probable. And Grant's the likely one for me, makes the roster as a fourth guy. My fifth and sixth, I've got Cole as well, because for the same reason that you put out there for Hollins, I've got Cole. Cole was a monster gunner in college and so i've got him as the gunner on special teams which allows you to part ways with matt collins and i went ahead and kept isaiah ford with merit as my practice squad designee i could see a scenario where merit beats out isaiah ford though 
Yeah, and Isaiah Ford, believe it or not, is going to be a free agent after the year. Uh, you know, it's going to be his fourth year with the team. So, yeah, it, it'll be a fascinating battle there. And you are right there, Matt Cole and uh, can both be your gunners, and they show the ability to do that in their previous spots. Um, the big thing with Isaiah Ford and what's always working against him is that he's not a special teams guy. Um, and I mean, and Alan Hearns really isn't that big of a one too. So uh, we both went with six uh, wide receivers there at tight end. I'll kick it to you first there, Paul. This one hurt. One of my final, final cuts was actually at this position. I went ahead and kept three. Um, Gesicki was a lock for me. I, I think anybody that says he's not is a moron. And then for probable, I really think my Eric came on really well last year. And given that fact, I think they're going to want to develop with him. For my third, I, I actually have a surprise make, which means some of my surprise cuts are Durham Smythe, uh, Roberts, you name it. I really think that there's an outside chance that Miami keeps Bryce Stirk um, on the roster because he showed a lot of talent as a pass rusher in college. And by all accounts, Miami's been absolutely fascinated with turning a college defensive end into, into a tight end. And I, I think if you put Stirk on your practice squad, there's a chance he gets poached by somebody that needs pass rush help as the season starts out. And, and given that fact, I think Miami rosters him, even though he's probably going to be inactive on game days for a little bit. Um, it makes do with him, but I think given his attitude, given what Miami wants, I, I've got him as the third tight end, and, and it hurts to cut Smythe because Smythe's a guy that I did like coming out of college. I think he's a better receiver than he got credit for, and he's probably one of the better blocking tight ends on the roster, but I think we're going to see Chan Gailey game plan differently with the tight ends this year than what we're used to. Right. I mean, Chan Gailey is not a tight end or not a fullback. He's going to use a lot of receivers, and that's why we both have him keeping six. Not to mention, Mike Gesicki really is not much of a tight end. He's not going to block in line that much. He's he's going to be more out there as as that big slot type of guy. So I did overall go with three. I mean, Gesicki is a lock, obviously. I mean, it wouldn't. I mean, you want to talk about the last eight games of the year? I mean, I can't find many other tight ends in the league that were better than Mike Gesicki. He and and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick really uh, did a great job together. And I, I had him keeping two other players. I had him keep, keep him during Smythe for another year. I also had him keeping Michael Roberts. I mean, I think this is kind of an under-the-radar signing. The Lions cut him, but the Dolphins, uh, I could see him being that Hunter Goodwin type of tight end for the Dolphins. And, and who is the offensive coordinator when Hunter Goodwin was tight end for the Dolphins 20 years ago or so? It was Chan Gailey. So, uh, you know, this is a block first type of 6'5", 270-pound tight end. Fun fact, I think he only has three career touchdowns, and two of them came in one game against the Miami Dolphins. So moving along to the offensive line, and this is where we're going to see a lot of new faces here. So, you know, we talked about Larry Warford. Obviously, we're not including him in this conversation, even if he were signed at the um, – so looking at the rest of, of the unit, I went with nine. and. One of them is going to be my other undrafted free agent. Um, so overall, um, from left to right as a starting unit, I've got Austin Jackson, Eric Flowers, Ted Karras, 
Jesse Davis and Robert Hunt, uh, man in the right tackle spot. As the backups, we've got a lot of versatility with uh, Julian Davenport as the swing tackle, Michael Dieter as the ba- as the top backup to all three interior line positions. He might also challenge Jesse Davis at that right guard spot. And then you've got two rookies. You've got Solomon Kindley um, manning one of those offensive guard spots. How active he'll be on game day, we'll see. And I also went with uh, Donnell Stanley, the center slash Carolina, because the Dolphins are really looking to go big there. And, you know, Donnell Stanley is, even for a rookie, is 6'3", 320 pounds, has some versatility. So he could be somebody that we see moving between the practice squad and the Dolphins uh, roster there as they move to 55 there on game day. Yeah, for me, and and I'm not going to list off the starters. You you kind of are, are right in the same boat roughly as I am, and we're pretty close on, on the O-line. I kept 10. Obviously, Jackson and Hunt, um, you know, get, given their high draft status and what I think, uh, the fact that I think that those two are definitely going to be the starters to tackle, they were locks for me. Um, my other locks were Flowers, Jesse Davis, and this is, you know, based on what I said earlier, Miami hasn't signed Warford. So Jesse Davis is definitely a lock. I've also got Kinley, Karras, and Dieter as locks with my probable players behind that, that behind them as well that made this roster, Danny Isadora, Shaq Calhoun, and Donnell Stanley. So we're, we're, we're completely in sync on Stanley. Notably cut was, was Davenport. I know he wasn't great, but it's still a pretty notable cut when he's a player that they returned in a trade and he started some games at left tackle. Yeah. Davenport would be a little bit of a surprise, but not anything crazy either. Um, so you've got you've got uh, I've got Davenport, you've got Isadora and Shaq Calhoun. I, you know, I, I was going back. I had Calhoun on there, I think, until like 20 minutes before he we went on air, because I, I do think that if there's a player that can take a step up this year on the offensive line, I think it might be him. He was a very good pass protector in college. I don't think he was just other than the Eagles game. I he wasn't great, but I, I didn't think he was putrid either. I mean, he was better than a lot of other players on this roster. So I, I do, I am rooting for Calhoun really to make that team. And it's interesting that we do have Danelle Stanley uh, making that 50, 53 or 55 man roster, whatever, any way that you slice it. So yeah, it's, it, it looks like here on the offensive side of the ball, we have a couple of differences. Uh, I've got wide receiver, Matt Collins, tight ends, Durham Smythe and, Michael Roberts and offensive tackle Julian Davenport making the team. You've got running back slash wide receiver Malcolm Perry, wide receiver Isaiah Ford, tight end Chris Myrick, guard Danny Sadora, and guard Shaq Calhoun making making that roster. Let's Don't uh, forget take tight end Bryce Sturk. Bryce Sturk, okay, sounds sounds good. And I might be missing one from my side, but uh, no, it looks like uh, looks like you're, you've got two more two more on the offensive side. And, and two fewer ones on the defensive side. So that that's not a big surprise here because I, I loaded up on defense. So let's take a look here at the defensive line. The Dolphins obviously signed uh, and drafted quite a few players here too, so specifically defensive end Shaq Lawson and uh, Emmanuel Agba to strengthen those edges a lot. They also drafted a, a defensive tackle Raekwon Davis in the second round, as well as fifth round pick Jason Strobridge. 
I have those four guys making the roster. You've obviously, as I have Davin Gotcha and Christian Wilkins returning as starters. And um, my seventh guy I had as Zach Sealer, who I'm really rooting to make the team here. You know, 6'7", 310 pounds. And, man, he put together some really good games there at the defensive line spot. So I've got seven here, Paul. There could be some overlap because sometimes it's challenging to tell who's a defensive end, who's an outside linebacker, who's an edge guy, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, how, how did your roster look out there on the front seven? Or, or excuse me, uh, on the defensive line? So I broke mine up slightly different than you did. Um, so we'll dive into it slightly differently. I, I, I broke mine into interior defensive line and other front seven because as Kyle Van Noy said you know he's not an edge player he's not a linebacker he's a football player and, and that's really how Flores likes to deploy his front seven on defense is you know just a bunch of football players moving around other than the interior defensive line which typically doesn't have a lot of flexibility even though I think you'll see Strobridge kick inside occasionally but given that fact for my interior defensive line I've got Wilkins, Raekwon Davis, and Gachow as the locks. Even though I keep flirting with the idea that Gachow may end up on the trade block, much to a lot of people's surprise. And then as far as probable and notable cuts, um, for probable for me, for the fourth guy, I gave it to Benito Jones. And this one broke my heart, and you'll understand why. My notable cut here was, was Zach Sealer. As much as I like the guy, as much as I like his upside for the future, it's just there's too much talent now in the front seven for me. And that that's where, you know, while the promise is there with Sealer, I, I had to go a different direction. And I like Benito Jones as that plugger in that middle that can spell gotcha. out. Yeah, so – and. So it looks like we've got uh, we're in agreement on all of them except we've got Sealer, you've got Benito Jones. I, I know it's this is the most challenging part of the position by position breakdowns with with the front seven. So with the rest of the front seven, uh, you know, I, I looked at this as far as the roster breakdown as a as a three four defense. So the starters I have uh, Vince Beagle and Kyle Van Noy on the outside, Raekwon McMillan and Jerome Baker at inside linebacker. And then I have five backups here, so nine linebackers overall. I've got Andrew Van Ginkle um, on the outside, as well as uh, Trent Harris, who dressed for all 16 games last year, was a former Patriot, good special teamer, and started to put some pressure on the quarterback late in the year. Uh, Curtis Weaver, the fifth-round pick, but I'll get, get to him in just a second. Um, and then at inside linebacker, I have Landon Roberts and Camus Grujay Hill, both former Patriots signed here at inside linebacker and free agency to be the backups. But as far as Curtis Weaver, one thing I'll point out is even though this was one of my favorite picks for the Dolphins in the draft, uh, PFF had a, had a top 25 grade on him in the entire draft. He was unbelievably productive in the Mountain West. He better show up to, to, uh, to camp or preseason in shape. Because, you know, this is somebody who had who had weight problems early on at Boise State, slimmed down, and still never had a great body. And I listened to a couple interviews and uh, that PFF did with him, and it was a little bit troubling almost him laughing about the fact that he was overweight there at Boise State. So that's okay in college. He, and he did he didn't have to lose weight in college, but he needs to come into the NFL and 
show that that he can commit to the weight room because if he can the Dolphins could have a big steal here in the fifth round if they don't he may not make the team because this does not project to be a special teams player in Curtis Weaver so uh, overall Paul I've got nine uh, outside and inside linebackers making the roster how does the rest of your roster uh, firm up there so after my my four interior guys along the D-line I I wound up at, with 10 along the other front seven positions between linebacker and edge. I wound up with Van Noy, Lawson, Ogba, Baker, McMillan, and Strobridge as locks. And then for my probables, Landon Roberts, Gruje Hill, Van Ginkle, and Weaver with surprise cuts in Aguavin, um, which hurt a little bit, but you know what? He showed a lot of promise in the preseason last year most of the time didn't deliver on it and it just wasn't enough. Um, and then Trent Harris was another surprise cut for me. I'm with you on that. Um, yeah, I've got Trent Harris making it, but it wouldn't be surprised if he got the ax too. Um, yeah. Sam McGuavion would be an interesting one because I, I don't have him making it either. He was one of my last cuts. I actually for, for a bit had him beating out grew J Hill, but, they're they're pretty committed to Groove J Hill, I think, because they they guarantee two million dollars for him. That give him a healthy cut, I think would that would not look not look good uh, for the team. Uh, and also too, I believe uh, Taco Charlton and Sam Aguavion were the Dolphins' two leading sackers last year with five and three and a half. Without pathetic that is, I wonder if NFL history has has ever seen a team go from one year to the next with cutting the top two guys in sacks from the year before who didn't make hardly any money uh, and were healthy cuts very, very early on. So that'd be fascinating. So let's go to the defensive back spot, Paul. And, you know, today in the NFL, you know, when we first started watching football, I think we had, we had, we, we'd always see eight or nine defensive backs on, on the roster. Now with how many players see the field throughout, throughout the season at defensive back, you you see 10 to 12 making the roster. I had 12 defensive backs making the final 55 man roster here. So how many did you have? I had 12. Gotcha. I'm right so, there with you, but we we may have some different names here. Okay. Okay. So let's, uh, obviously we're going to have uh, the, the, the top seven guys we can, we can assume that we have. Correct. So Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, a cornerback. Bobby McCain and Eric Rowe at safety. Um, that makes four. Noah Igbenogany, first-round pick. Brandon Jones, the third-round pick. Nick Needham as the holdover from last year. So are we in agreement on those top seven? We are. Got it. Moving along here. So I'll give you a name. You tell me yes or no as far as them making it uh, on yeah. yours. Clayton, Clayton Fedulum. Yes. Yes for me, too. Jamal Perry. No. Okay. I've got him making it. Um, Adrian Colbert. Yes. Me too. I've got Adrian Colbert making it. Tay Hayes. Yes. Uh, Ken Webster. No, that was a hard one for me. Yeah, I've got Ken Webster making it as well. And so... I believe that that there's one or two left uh, for you. I have two left. 
Okay, and who are the remaining two? Uh, Stephen Parker and Kayvon Frazier made made the roster for me. Kayvon Frazier, interesting, because he's a he is a guy that yeah, was signed up, signed from the Cowboys here in the off season, kind of an under the radar signing. Has special teams ability, and was drafted out of Central Michigan in the sixth round a couple of years ago. Uh, from them, so yeah, it, we're we're not too far off overall in the on the 55 man roster. I, I think we might be off by one uh, here. So, how about special teams? Uh, special teams, we've got we've got Jason Sanders, Matt Hawk, and Blake Ferguson. Any any differences there for you? Nope, I, I wrote it down as Hawk, Ferguson, and the Colonel, but same players. <laughs> That's. Uh, so yeah, that that will do it for a 55-man roster there. And any observations there, Paul? Overall, of what you've seen. The only observation I'm going to make here is this. Unlike last year, it, this was tough in a whole different way. Last year, it was like, who the hell are we going to keep? This year, it's like, Jesus Christ, who are we going to cut? Uh, at, at several positions. I mean, you and I both kept some players where they were last minute cuts. I, I had, I think the first pass through, I think I had 62 making the roster and I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. Um, and given the fact that there's that flexibility with the final two spots to promote people easily from the practice squad on game days this year, I think you're going to see some of our rough cuts on any given week being on the, on the game day rosters because they can more easily slide back and forth with the practice squad. The practice squads have been expanded. And, you know, so, yeah, no, this was this was a lot tougher this year than I expected because I expected to, you know, sit there and draw lines through people and then go, oh, crap, let me add some people back in. And instead, for once, given all the, the free agent additions, given all the traffics, given the fact that Miami yet again kicked undrafted free agents in the ass, this was a tough cut. This was a really tough cut. There are a lot of players that not only played last year, but uh, – had meaningful snaps that that I had on the chopping block. I mean, uh, Kalen Balaj, uh, Miles Gaskin, Chandler Jones, Alan Hearns, Isaiah Ford, uh, Avery Moss, Sam Egwavon, Cordrea Tangersley was a former third-round pick, Ryan Lewis. All of these guys I had cut, and it, it shows the the elevation here of the team. So, Paul, as I look at it, we've got, I believe – Eight or nine differences in our final roster here. I've got making the roster that you don't. Um, Matt Collins at wide receiver, Durham Smythe and um, Michael Roberts at tight end, uh, Julian Davenport at tackle, Zach Sealer at, at defensive line, Trent Harris at linebacker, Perry and Webster at cornerback. And you had wide receiver uh, running back Malcolm Perry making it. You had Isaiah Ford, um, Myrick. Dirk at tight end, uh, Danny Isadora, Dion Calhoun, defensive tackle Benito Jones, and then safeties, Stephen Parker and Kayvon Frazier. So, yeah, not too many differences, but I'd say a lot more differences than in years past because we've got a little bit more to choose from. Yeah, and, and, and the cool thing there is I think several of the guys for each of us that we each kept versus cut – I mean, you can almost flip-flop uh, amongst those tough cuts at the very end here and how, how we sliced it. And in all honesty, a lot of those guys will probably be inactive on plenty of game days. And end of the day, I, I, I think 
Miami's a much more talented team, even more so than I thought from from doing this exercise. It's doing this really drove it home how, how much they've upgraded the talent in a singular offseason. Well said. And another note here on on the active roster versus the practice squad is each team is going to have a 53-man roster, and they're going to have 12 players on their practice squad. For the players that are promoted for that week to make it a 55-man roster, they can only be um, they can only play in two games if they're on the practice squad. Otherwise, they have to be promoted permanently to that active roster. Again, I don't know why they're doing this. I mean, just just have 55 players on the on the active roster, 14 on the practice squad, so you only have to cut you know what 21 players or so by the end of camp. But that's not the way they're doing it. It's a unique strategy. I'm sure they have their reasons, but Yeah, it's going to be a more competitive training camp here, and we hope you enjoyed this prediction on the Dolphins' 55-man roster for Week 1. You can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.